Welcome to another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name's Alon. And my name's Ara. And uh, we've got an, another another very normal show. We're actually recording a little earlier than normal today, which is good. I'm awake. Totally awake, I swear. And, uh, and that's, that's always beneficial. Yeah, but not... I mean, did you do you remember when we used to be in the studio and I'd sort of like nod off during a show? Um... It happened a couple times, but to your credit, I don't think any of the listeners noticed. Yeah, fantastic. Now now you know, a little secret behind the scenes. Um, yeah, totally awake, because I need to do a lot of work tonight. So, anyway, um, we have stuff to talk about that's actually game-related. We've got quite a few things, but I think you wanted to start with something. Yeah, there's something i got to get off my chest. There's um, There's about five things, actually. That's a lot of things yeah. weighing heavily on your chest. Well, um, they won't be weighing heavily much longer because they are, um, let's see here, fuck you, Fire Monkeys, fuck you, EA, fuck you, Real Racing, fuck you, Dolphin, and fuck you, Whale. Okay. Now, really, I only recognize Real Racing in there, except EA. Uh, but you like Real Racing. <sighs> Look, and then you don't like it, and then you do like it. This is—I've been like conflicted about this this whole week, and I think actually just about five minutes ago, I think I just decided I'm just gonna fucking give up this game. I'm just not gonna play it ever again. You know, usually I give up a game after playing it for a few minutes or hours, anyway, just as a normal course of, you know, but there's life. You, I mean, you've heard you've heard what I've said about it before, and most all of it's been positive. Yeah, except for a little interlude there in the middle. Yeah, exactly. And so now, you know how um, I just feel like the game is fucking with me. That, that's quite possible. It is a mobile game. And it's really upsetting to me in, in a lot of ways. And I also feel like now, the, now they're wasting my time. And not only are they now wasting my time, but I've wasted also all my previous time, which I can very, very embarrassingly say has been... Well over 70 hours. What's, what's interesting here is that you enjoyed it up to a certain point, and there's something that has changed to make you look back on that time negatively when previously that same time spent was positive for you. Exactly. This is the irony of the whole thing, and this makes it even more insidious. And like you actually phrased it perfectly, and that also, that aspect of it, is making me even more upset. <laughs> Because like you, because you let it happen to yourself. Because I, because I let it happen a and b because I have just this like expanse of time that I've invested that I feel like is has just been lost to nothing. You say it's been invested, but what could you ever have gotten from it? An investment yields some sort of reward at the end. Yeah. So that's actually a really good question because usually I I find that the games that I feel the most fulfilled from, especially after the fact, is something where like I felt like in the process of playing the game, I've actually improved some, however microscopic, aspect of myself. Uh, and it's you know most of the time it's as simple as, well, I'm now better at this game, and I learned something in the process, and that was really interesting, right? And I got better at doing whatever it is you do in the game. Here's has, what, it, has it all just been a scam? Like they control the car for you? And it's, it's no, it's not completely a scam, and that's that's why it's so insidious. And here's here's what started to happen. Okay, um, you've you've heard all the criticisms I've leveled before. I'm not going to repeat myself about it. But something that's now starting to happen in like the long term play of this game is that you. You can think of like the progress you make as like in the context of like having like margins, like profit margin, okay? Because you have your profit that you make from like winning, right? In terms of the virtual currency, you mean? Yeah. And then you have the expenses that you have to spend constantly on repairing your car and maintaining your car. Okay. That's what makes it real. Real racing. Yeah, I guess. So you have a certain margin, right, which is the difference between those two. And the thing that I started to notice, and I'm getting a stronger and stronger feeling of the more that I played it, especially lately, is that as you get farther through the game, they're actually very, very gradually tightening your margins. 
Okay. Why so why is that bad? It's bad because now I find that I'm a lot of times like I'm losing actually. I'm actually losing money after doing a race. And there's enough bullshit in the game that this often happens for reasons that are completely out of your control. That seems like normal gameplay to me. And As you get further along in the game, things get harder, things get more expensive. But it's not a matter of whether they're doing that or not. It's the matter of how they're doing that. And so I actually feel like what they're doing is they're manipulating me. I really feel like uh, they're doing this push-pull tactic of uh, giving me like an easy win every once in a while so that I feel motivated. And then, you know, after a few wins, you know, like let's, let's keep uh, the player's ego in check here and let's like smash him down with some horrendous losses every once in a while. And you know how, right. It's this, it's funny because this to me sounds like, like there's a seduction tactic, right. Called push pull where if you want to, manipulate somebody into liking you more you basically you do alternating like hot and cold types of attitudes in front of them right like you like them a second and then the next second they've offended you and you don't want to talk to them and get out of my face and then the next second uh there's something else that about them that you really like and then you do this this is right this is push pull yeah. which Not, you're playing a little hard to get i get it it's like right i mean there's different degrees of doing that of course right but i feel like they're doing this to me they're playing fucking push pull with me they're making me happy they're well, giving they got me, 70 plus hours out of you it they seems like me, it worked they, well this is why i played it for this long and, and now i'm just feeling like it's just like just fuck this shit so let me get at the heart of this so you're saying that hypothetically a game could be programmed so that it's based you know, on the actual actions of the player or whatever the the rules of the game are. But you think there's this, um, like this extra layer of control of outcomes? I don't know exactly how they're doing it, and I'm not going to presume to uh, speculate on exactly how they're doing it. Like, in other words, it may be just there's nothing, it very well may be that they're not doing anything that's actually considered like underhanded cheating it may be just intrinsic in just the way that they've structured the game but whether it is or not the effect is at least for me that um you know here's what they do right like the cars are getting like more and more fragile so the the tiniest little like collisions now result in expensive repairs at times is that just because you have a different car that's more sensitive i i feel like i think that's what they're doing right the cars are getting more expensive to maintain uh, the more, also the more expensive the car is, the longer you have to wait to use it again since you used it because the repairs take longer. But isn't that realistic? Like imagine you're driving a Ferrari. Like the smallest little bump will be more expensive. It'll t- spend longer in the shop. Yeah, those elements are realistic. But what does that have to do with anything? It's real racing. No, it's not real racing. We've real already real racing. No, no. It's we've already talked about before how it's not really real. It's just. Uh, it's just killing me, man. It's like they've – I can tell what they're doing. I can tell that what they're doing is that – what it's like they It's like they give you the easy stuff to like motivate you a lot to begin with. And now they're very gradually like taking it away from me to at the same time very gradually encourage me to start paying money. I think ultimately what ended up happening is that I'm, I'm realizing that it's the outcomes of what is happening is so random now and it's so dependent on like, oh, yeah, like upgrading cars, right? The upgrades to cars now, not only are they more expensive, but they also are sm- are becoming tinier and tinier increments. So and every single thing that's a resource is like I, – it's like, it's like you're moving from like the land of plenty to the land of nothing. And they're just – everything's just getting a little more scarce, a little more scarce. And there's like – I've reached my threshold. That's it. Yeah. But I mean I got to say that sounds like pretty classic gameplay mechanic. I did completely disagree. I don't know – you know, what classic some gameplay fantasy, mechanic you're talking about? Picture some fantasy game where you go through, you know, the the life of the game, and in the end, you're buying swords and shields that cost a ton, and um, you know, don't offer you that much more than the previous one. When in the past, you know, ten gold or something would really. But it's usually balanced to what is happening. It's usually balanced to the point that you don't actually run the risk of 
completely running out of resources or actually making negative accumulation of resources. That does not normally happen, especially pre-mobile era games. But this like new generation of games, right? You have these resources where you can actually, um, in, especially in this case, you can actually have a net negative accumulation of resource. And they're they're pushing me as a player like towards that ever so gradually, and I I don't like it. I don't I don't so appreciate you think that it. If if the game didn't involve microtransactions, that it would have been developed differently. No, this has um this can be this kind of fuckery can be done without microtransactions because they still haven't spent a cent on the game. Yeah, but I'm talking about like their incentive to inch you towards paying money. Yeah, right. So it's well, structured in such a way that it's it's intentionally pushing you towards real real life expense. It it is. It's doing that, but now I'm realizing that like it's doing that in such a gradual way that it took me this long to notice, and that's what's so fucked up about it. Well, and, and I don't. I feel like I feel like people. I don't know. I feel like maybe a lot of people will just not notice this, but I also have an I have a sense that a lot of people will catch on to this eventually, and that this kind of tactics that work now, I don't think these tactics are going to work forever. And I hate this adversarial approach between the player and the yes, I hate developer. it. I hate it so much. And I think just that very fact in and of itself is, I think, what's really stopping me from playing. Because I was, I was taking some kind of perverse satisfaction, thinking that like I could beat this system, but I don't want to beat this system anymore. So you have four other things or groups that you're upset with. Are we going to get into those? No, in no, that's all the same. Well, the other two are just South Park references. And everyone else was involved in this game. So. Oh. Okay. Well then. Um, all very fascinating. I'm sorry to hear you have this pain inside. Well, you know what? I brought it on myself. So okay. we'll I have only myself to blame. I guess we'll be right back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. All right, we're back. I think I've calmed down a little bit. Not too much. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. So you're not going to play that game anymore, huh? You know what? Okay. Look. You, could, you, you could make a hard commitment to yourself. Look at this. I've got my tablet right here. Okay, I'm opening the tablet. You know what I'm going to do? Because I've had it. Got this app right here. And I'm now I'm going to delete this app in front of your face. That's good because okay. I know that it would take you another two days to download again. Yes, and you know what? I'm just fucking... I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, and I'm tired of this, and I'll get a couple gigs back and the rest of my life back. Um, I am happy to report that we have used the explicit tag on our podcast for many months now, and I guess that's important. Yeah, this is probably the most cussing I've done on the show in a long time. Yeah, I would say so. I say so. All right, well, let's move on to some other grand things. No, 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 hold on. Okay, look. Real Racing 3 installed take it take a screenshot of it getting deleted so we can post it on facebook uninstall okay Just uninstalling speaking this of facebook slash chatterbox video game radio will get you to our facebook page people have been going there it's been fantastic one of these days we'll get an interaction rate of of 100 plus and that will just make me jolly um <clears throat> Also, I'm going to remind everyone about UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. And now that we have done that... Oh, I have one more announcement, by the way. Oh, boy. I was ready to move on, but you know, now you have something. So, 
this is only good for two days or maybe one day, depending on when you're hearing this. But this Wednesday, local here in Phoenix, there's a IGDA meet. So if you want in and you don't know how to get it and it's not after Wednesday, you know how to contact us. Okay. Wednesday the 24th? Is that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think so. The night of Wednesday, our our yeah. friend Tim Winsky will actually be giving a talk on his new oh, Indiana oh, Stone Indiana Stone game. Yes, exactly. Fantastic. Has has he given you any more details about that? Has it been doing well? Um, he doesn't feel like he can uh, buy any Maseratis. Okay, well, I can imagine that. Or retire. True. So that's all I know. Well, that's good. I don't want him retiring. So now let's talk about some other stuff. Okay. Um, actually. IGDA meeting coming up. Uh, let's talk about IGDA a little bit. You remember a few weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, when we talked about their their big party and how everyone got upset about yes, the party with that, the girls? And I, it's interesting because I asked a couple developers who went to um, GDC after the fact. I was curious about how how like how like in people's minds is this kind of thing right like was this a big deal was this like an isolated thing is this like is this just like is this is this like this huge thing that's exploding or just a couple people are just complaining and nobody else cares i suspect it only exists on the internet the latter seems to be the case but anyway yeah please so this actually this article is from a couple weeks ago i didn't uh i didn't mention it last week but um apparently there are new guidelines for people in the IGDA for when they go to these parties. And what I think is especially interesting about now, that... Now, wait. Is this for people who are IGDA members who go to a party? I See, or, I told you there was something interesting or is about this. For, this, is, this is, so you're saying this is not like their new policy on whether they will be involved or not involved with parties. So <clears throat> there are two, two parts to this, according to what I've read, that are important. One of them, totally understandable. They have some new guidelines on the sorts of parties that they'll throw, which are they're going to probably just refer to as networking events from here on, right? right. And be more careful about their standards and all that. All right, totally expected that. Sure. Totally normal. Of course. No surprise there. They're going to clamp down on the naked chicas. No big deal, right? Um, or even, um, or even just dancing. In- interestingly dressed, or any anything that might be uh, confused as objectification. Let's yeah. Say. Exactly. Um, which is pretty subjective, and you could have pretty loose guidelines about what is objectification and what is pretty isn't. much everything, but that's a different conversation. Yeah. So here's the next – there's another – after they talk about that in the article that I'm reading, which is from Joystick, um, Edwards – Edwards is – who is she? The executive director of IGDA, Kate Edwards. She was the one who, who issued the – you know, statement yes. of regret after and, and we spoke about her last time we talked about okay. this too. So Edwards outlined a set of actions for IGDA members to uphold while at other industry events, including a, quote, walkout and talkout policy for any party with content contrary to the IGDA ideals, regardless of the potential value of being present. She goes on to say, our humanity makes us prone to mistakes, but that does not diminish our resolve to be a force of change. I hope the IGDA membership will rise to the challenge and keep working together to help our industry reflect the reality of our diversity, whether it's at events, in the workplace, or in the games we create. And, you know, she talks more. But let's, let's focus on this. She wants IGDA members to uphold, even while at other industry events... Uh, some guidelines, including a walkout and talkout, which my interpretation is leave and tell people why you left. Basically, make a stink if somebody else is doing something that is Mm. against their new rule set. Interesting. Now, I think that is super lame. Super duper lame. Because what does that say? It's like, uh, all right, you have a meeting with some... Let's just go uh, super... um, not racist isn't the word I'm looking for. Super stereotypical here. You have a meeting with some Japanese business people about some game, and they want to take you out to some skanky strip club afterwards. And you're all like, yeah, okay, right? Because that's part of the biz. you got to go do what they want to do. And then somebody catches you or finds out you were like at some strip club with some Japanese business people because that's their thing. And now all of a sudden you're in trouble because you didn't like walk out and talk out. Uh I think I think that's lame. Yeah, you be able to do what you want. That's kind of interesting. I'm can does it say exactly how she's framing this encouragement, right? Because it's like 
is I mean I'm not officially a member of IGDA. I don't pay dues or anything like that. Oh, then you're safe. But if I was to be, am I? I mean, is she just saying? Is she just saying like, okay, well, uh, you know, is this just like a political gambit just to uh, please people who are extremist about this sort of thing, or is she truly expecting? I, I mean, am I going to be like signing my name to like a commitment that I will? You know, if I see any objectification happening or what have you in a situation, I will leave and then tell them that the IGDA does not support this. Well, there's there's a couple things. First of all, I can't speak to her true motivations, of course. Uh, I'm guessing there is no official policy. She's just trying to say you should be vocal about this stuff when you see it. And I'm sure in her heart of hearts, she doesn't actually expect anyone to do that. Yeah, I'm getting that sense, too. Uh, but that makes it even more silly. In, in my mind, right? You, you should only say something like this if you mean it. And if you're going to mean it, you shouldn't pick something so stupid to talk about. Right. And I wouldn't, I mean, I think it's disingenuous even to encourage people to behave in a way that's not authentic with who they are. Well, exactly. If I just want to go to a strip club and I'm a game developer, I shouldn't be like told that that's not okay or something. Uh, I should get to do what I want. Now, she, I mean, of course it says at industry events, but the point is she's saying basically we need, People in the industry and in the IGDA need to be better people. They need to be above these other folks. And she's essentially denouncing people who don't uh, don't meet what she considers, you know, standards. Yeah, that's. It seems slightly repulsive to me because, it's for the specific reason that it seems to be politically motivated and not actually, um, I don't know, logically motivated, rationally motivated, sensibly motivated. Yeah. Take your pick. I think it's clear that I am reading into this yeah. quite a bit. Okay. Well, I'm reading into your reading yeah. into it. So. But I also think what I'm reading into is quite valid. You know, you know what's funny? I mean, if I, can, if I can speculate for a second here, and this is completely rampant speculation, I get the sense that there's, there's, there's this perception that there's a body of people in the industry who, uh, you know, if, if they only had the right encouragement or if they only knew that uh, maybe their thoughts were supported by other people – that uh, they would have the courage when they felt like it to walk out and maybe even talk out. And, and that without, without explicit encouragement to do so, that uh, you know, this, this population of people just won't have the wherewithal and guts to do it themselves. And if that's true, which it may or may not be, uh, I find that to be highly disingenuous too. Just because people aren't speaking up? Well, it's just kind of like... I. I'm of the opinion, right? This is, I mean, this is like one of my life philosophies. Like you don't, you don't expect the world to change around you. If there's something not right with the world, it's up to you to change it. And it's up to you to fight against it. However, whatever means you have, if that's important to you. And you shouldn't rely on other people to accommodate you. And you shouldn't expect it either. I mean, life's not easy. Life's hard. Well, what you just described sounds like what she is doing. She's trying to change the world. I just think she's doing it heavy handedly. Well, what I think she's doing is she's trying to, like, build up political momentum to, like, create this climate of encouragement to encourage other people to do something that she specifically wants or for or, – or maybe it's just politically – it's just a political thing. I, I can tell you that I, for one I, – like, In other words, if she phrased it as if you feel like you're not right with this, then walk out and talk out, that's totally cool. But to say, like, wholesale – that everybody should, if, if you're a member, and you know, you should you should hold up these values to expect that of everyone. Oh yeah, I'm, I you and I are in com- complete agreement. Yeah, like speak up if you think something's wrong. But yeah. what she's saying is, you need to think this see, is wrong. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing is that I I feel like a lot of these kinds of issues that are happening right now are a result of people just being too scared or intimidated or too dependent on looking at others' approval of them to speak out if they want to speak out. That they're just too wussy to speak out? Yeah, it's because it's all dependent on making this climate that's accommodating to whatever it is we want to accommodate. And I just disagree with that completely. I disagree with accommodating environments. I like that. You should change yourself. (laughs) 
to make the change you want in the world, you should not look at others and be dependent on them to achieve that change. I mean, if you want to work together, let's work together. Basically, you're saying man up. Man up is what I'm saying. Isn't that really funny way to put it? All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll be right back. Back again. Don't forget, Facebook page is slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. And uh, what you won't see is us linking to all the articles that we talk about during the show because I don't really do that. Um, but on occasion, we will make some sort of correction, like we did last week, actually. Remember when we were talking about Adam Orth? Totally. Yeah. So we, uh, we talked about him tweeting and the, how he like, resigned because of it, and we missed the bit. Somehow I had read this and then forgot about it when the showtime came. He actually had one tweet that p- looked like it potentially could be deemed offensive to people in rural towns. <laughs> Someone's like, yeah, well, you know, always on totally works in like New York, but you should try living in, you know, Bumsville, Wisconsin or something. And he's like, why would I ever want to live there? And that apparently was an offensive tweet. So um, <clears throat> along those lines, during the break, we just went back and looked at what, uh, what Edwards actually wrote. Um, with regard to this IGDA stuff. And the walkout and talkout thing doesn't explicitly say that other people should do what she's, what she uh, like affirms she will do in the future, that she will walk out and tell the organizers and tell people that there was something wrong there. Um, but she does say she hopes other people will join her in this approach. But it's not like if you're an IGDA member, you're going to get slapped on the wrist if you don't do this. So, okay, yeah, so that's interesting too. Um that sounds totally fine by me. It's it's still a bit a bit peer pressure y well, in my opinion. See, here's the thing, right? She's hoping that she has the political support to achieve the what she wants, right? But this is what upsets me just about political things in general, is that it stops becoming about what's right and it starts becoming about what you can get. Right? And if like if she if there's, I mean, if it's really important enough, then enough people are not going to. Um, if it's important enough, then people will follow her lead, and it will just naturally just be a consequence of like, okay, a lot of people just agree with her philosophy, and we're going to do that now from now on, right? And that will become, if not already, like that will become commonplace. But. If things aren't that way now, right, and you wish to, like, make a change in the world or something or in people's attitudes, right? Um, see, I don't know. It's just funny because, like, I'm, I mean, I'll just, I'm just of the attitude, like, just do whatever you want and do whatever you think is right. And who cares if you have support or not? Yeah, well, in a perfect world, someone would put on a party or whatever it is they're doing. And if they did something that the attendants didn't like, the attendants would leave and it would be a failure, right? Yes, but the truth is that when people put scantily clad women in places, men and women like it, right? And so I think she just has this agenda, like this Puritan-style agenda. Yeah. I think that's a strong word, but to make my point, this, this Puritan agenda to make the world be like she is. Like there's not enough females in the industry, so she's putting a, a very strong hand on this female agenda, yeah. which says that you know, scantily clad girls is not okay. Which, like, on one hand, I get objectification, really not good in the long term. On the other hand, I'm a dude, and I love seeing girls, and I'm fine with that. And I know that plenty of girls are fine with it, too. So it's hard for me to see the objectification argument if a lot of people are okay with it. And clearly, it's existed for a long time because people like it. Well, now that we're on this road, I mean, usually the, the argument against this is that, I mean, there's other situations where people are objectified non sexually. And nobody ever says that that's bad because every single participant is willing in that objectification. If every person on each side of the objectification is a willing participant, then is it bad? Uh, well, isn't that the case in, in these situations, even when it is sexual objectification? Well, that's my point. My point is that it, nobody criticizes it without the sexual component. 
So G- now, give me an example of a non-sexual component. Um, so this is uh, this this isn't the most uh, exact example, but this is the only one I can think of right this second. Um, Men being butlers. I mean, well, no, 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 because that's I mean, well, that's one thing. But what I was thinking is like the relationship you have with like a cashier, okay? Okay. Like you're the cash. You are using the cashier. She's doing your bidding for a transaction. He, he or she. Yeah, you are using them for a transaction, but they are a willing participant in that transaction because they are making money, and they have decided of their own volition that uh, I will accept this position of me servicing you to buy your groceries. Uh, so that I can make money and live and so that you can buy groceries. And all the parties involved are completely willing participants. Uh, I don't know that that is objectification. Yeah, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's not exactly objectification, but it's using somebody. It's taking advantage, right? Uh, that's that's arguable at best. <laughs> like, um, no, I don't think so. What do you... I mean, that person is providing a service, yes, but they're being compensated for that service. Yeah. And there's no expectation from the other people who are using that service that uh, that the person who's doing it is doing something they wouldn't want to be doing. That's what I'm... Yeah, so? And, uh, maybe I need to go look up the definition of objectification. Well, I'm saying I'm agreeing. I've agreed with you. I mean, like, we already. all do jobs that we don't want to do. So, in that sense, we're all being objectified. I'm not saying it's objectification. I'm saying it's a similar relationship. Okay. Well, because what I mean like okay, fine. Let's like let's talk about like what is objectification really? Okay, like when you're looking at when they're saying like okay, when you're looking at a really attractive woman, what is it about her? What does it mean that you're objectifying her? Is she something pretty to look at and that's all she means to you? Well, that's I got to be honest. I'm that's asking where, you. I'm asking well, you. Well, that's why I think it's okay. Like a a pretty girl put in a cage or on a dance floor or just walking around E3 or something whose sole purpose is to be a pretty girl and attract people is fine. However, when you get, for instance, the businesswoman who is trying to tell you about the product and really get you to learn about the product, right? But they make sure that they choose a very attractive person and maybe put her in clothing that is not what someone would normally be wearing in that situation. When they use, uh, her physical nature to attract you for a different purpose that I see as objectification, right? Because then I, as the the other side of this transaction am thinking about sex while I'm supposed to be learning about, you know, so some in this product. Case she's objectifying herself in, in what case? Well, of the, you were just describing an example of the woman who decides to dress yeah, yeah, yeah. up really no, pretty. No, I think so the, that the company, the company hires a person to provide a certain service, but, they make sure you have a person who is doing a second job of attracting you physically, right? So if they hired a person, like let's say they put a stripper at the front of the booth just to get people at the booth, and there was no expectation that that stripper was going to talk to me about the product, right. her entire purpose was simply to get me to go there. You think that's okay? I think that's totally fine. Okay, so which she one is, is not okay? What's not okay is that if they put a stripper in the booth, expect her to hand out pamphlets and talk to me about the product when really I'm only talking to her for this other purpose, right? So I'm being distracted from the actual primary purpose of hers. I don't see it as objectification when someone is just doing the job they were hired to do and, as you pointed out, they're doing it willingly. Wow, I don't even think I can make that distinction. Like, I don't even see much difference between them, right or wrong. I'm not (laughs) even saying that one is right or wrong, Still, the person's being hired to do it willingly. But when I look at the company and their strategy, I'd say, it's like putting up a pretty booth. If a pretty booth attracts me, is that wrong? Yeah. Okay, putting well, up a pretty girl in the booth? No. But if you then put the girl there and then like she's supposed to pretend like she knows something about the product and she really doesn't, that's... I, I'm, I'm almost certain I have a warped view on this subject, so I don't know <laughs> that I should be used as the baseline. But... But that's my personal feeling on the subject. You know, I'm the guy who's okay with all sorts of things that the rest of the world doesn't think is okay. Prostitution and drugs and whatever, right? Like consenting adults, do whatever you want. And I have no problem with it. But, uh, but yeah, mixing the two is where I see there being a problem. And I don't have a problem with a party with someone who's just hired to look nice because everybody likes beautiful things. Yeah, I guess the situation gets conflated when somebody is not 
actually affiliated or you just meet somebody and they're i mean why why do women wear makeup are they not objectifying themselves when they wear makeup ding 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 yeah no i'm with you there too is that i'm i'm honestly asking uh, <laughs> you, yeah, clearly that's you seem to think that's also that's just objective well i mean it, right? it's along the same lines it's okay if we're supposed to be talking to women working with women equal to women whatever it is that women want from us yeah. if we're supposed to be interacting with them on a level that is so equal and and it's what that basically means is not thinking of them sexually right. at all right. first of all we're avoiding our nature which is i think a problem in the first place uh but in that case yeah why do they wear, wear makeup if the only goal of makeup is to look someone make someone look more attractive on, on the flip side um i like to wear nice clothes and uh, i seem to be objectifying myself when i do that People look at me differently when I'm wearing real nice clothes. Yeah. Well, beyond that, you work out heavily so that you are the shape that you want to be, right? Yeah, but that's... When, women do the same thing. That's e- I mean, that's equally just for the fact that I just like to... I just like doing it. But, I mean, I seem to be objectifying myself and I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. You know? And when women objectify me, I'm... You like it. <laughs> I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the natural order. And that's one reason I'm so opposed to... To this as well and on the other hand i see it can be taken out of you know go a little bit out of control and then it's nothing but parties with naked chicks and they're not really focusing on the product and i get it it's there's no easy answer but at the same time surely she's drawing some pretty hard lines surely sexual overtones in whatever case can be a distraction from business i mean that's obvious right and in many cases very un unwanted distraction right Sometimes unwanted. I don't know. <laughs> Clearly, it's wanted by some people because it works. Yeah. Anyway, we have devoted a lot of time to this topic. Yeah, I don't know I that can, we should I feel continue. Like we're kind of running out of steam. Yeah, on this, so. I could just I could talk about sex and gender issues for a long time. So let's move on. You've got a couple other things. I understand. Yeah, actually, I got a quickie. Okay. Before our next break, um, it sounds like because you would have told me about it this past Friday here in Tempe locally. The police found, it was actually reported to them, a cardboard box in the middle of the street that had a Mario-style question mark on it. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it looks like a Mario block. So what do the police do when they find a box with a question mark on it? (laughs) They blow it up. Before they blow it up, they call a whole bunch of units. They call fire units. They evacuate the area, and then they call the bomb squad. And guess what was inside this question mark box? Uh, an audio recording of the sound of a block exploding? Nothing. Oh, okay. Nothing. It could have just been a box off of somebody's truck that fell on the ground. Actually, I found out where it came from, and I will tell everybody. All right. Are you going to find a Master of Science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. All right, we're back. So, when I heard about this story of this mysterious question mark, which, um, Clearly, highly suspicious. It could be a bomb. 
Before we move on, was it was it clear that this thing was intentionally placed, or was it just like laying in the highway? It was it was on a street, and it was in the middle of the streets. That to me would seem like it like fell off the back of a truck. You Very know? interesting, you say that. So when I first heard about this, I was all ready to just unload into a diatribe about fucking stupid kids wasting our goddamn resources, and I'm paying for this shit. <laughs> I'm paying for this bomb squad. I'm paying for these fire units. I'm paying for the police to evacuate the area. So are you. Well, more, moreover, you could be a criminal wanting to do something on one side of town and have your friend place a box on the other side of town. <laughs> well, you know, it's... I'd say let's not give him any ideas, but hopefully that's... Yeah, classic bait and switch. Okay. <laughs> hopefully this is not something new that we're talking about. Um, I was prepared to say all of those things. However, I found out that there's this, there's this club called The Mint in Scottsdale. And around this time, they had a party there, and they called it the Nintendo Party. <laughs> okay. And I was looking at their site, and they had pictures of that exact box at that party. Uh-oh. So what I think somebody did now is just some drunk-slash-enterprising kids or adults just took one of the boxes, and they were playing around with it, and it just fell off their vehicle while they passed this intersection. Yeah. And it was in the confused middle of for something nefarious. Yeah, I doubt someone would do that. If they did it on purpose, it wouldn't be in the middle of the street. It would be on the sidewalk or in a park or on top of a garbage can or something. Um, well, that's a bummer. So so I will not lay into all these things because uh, it was probably by accident now. <laughs> okay. But I guess that says a few things about our climate and our culture right now, doesn't it? Yeah, just a heads up to anyone thinking about placing... Uh, you know, packages anywhere. Don't do it. Now might not be a good time. Forever might not be a good time. <laughs> Just saying. That's up to you. What you do with your life. But yeah, the week the week of the Boston thing might might not have been a good choice if it was intentional. Yeah. All right. So moving on. Um, I'm going to remind everyone about our sponsor again, UAT.edu, website for the University of Advancing Technology. Hopefully it was not UAT students who placed or lost that package. Just because that would be, you know, shameful or upsetting. But what else do we have? Or both. I, I got a couple things here. You got a couple things. Yeah, I think we should do your thing. My thing? Okay. So I got two. Two that are pretty small. Um, very recently, just today, I think I read about this. Um, Mother 3. We're familiar with the game Earthbound slash Mother. That's the, oh, yeah. the Japanese name. That, let me tell you, has some kind of crazy cult following. It does. I don't understand why. It's the first farming game I ever heard of. It's possibly the first farming game that was ever popular. But uh, like I'm guessing Farmville came out of a knowledge that this was a game people liked. But this was, what, 20 years old at least? Oh, it's old. Yeah. It's totally 8-bit era. So Earthbound 3, I believe, is Super Nintendo. Um, anyway, some guy made like, you know, the... Um, a fan translation, I guess, or worked with a bunch of people. This happens for a lot of games, actually. They make translations. But because this game has such a cult following, he decided to just, you know, say, hey, Nintendo can use this for free. Like they could just take this and make the game. Because I guess it's being re-released in Japan, right? But there's not any notable consideration of releasing it in America. And um, You think Nintendo's going to take it? Wait a minute. Explain this to me. I know... Did Earthbound 3 never come out for Super Nintendo? Was it just Earthbound that came out for Super Nintendo? Am I confusing my history? I do believe Earthbound came out because it was called Earthbound. It def- Earthbound definitely came out. Yeah. But then I was thinking Earthbound 3 was the Super Nintendo one, but I think Earthbound was the Super Nintendo one. Sequels happened in Japan that never happened in the U.S., and that's why there's a fan translation. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a need for a fan translation. I'm just going to say you're probably right. Okay, so he says, I realize that localizing a game this size can cost a lot, so if it'll help in any way, or I guess in even the slightest, I'll gladly offer to let Nintendo use my text translation files for any use at all completely for free. I'll even edit the files to fit whatever new standards are necessary. I'll even retranslate everything from scratch if need be, just whatever it takes to get an official release out. 
That is one dedicated fan. Right? And he he says, like, he wants to think that if there's ever a meeting where there's like, hey, maybe we should consider converting this for an American audience, that this particular component of the budget is, uh, you know, that something they don't have to worry about. And, and I, I, hate thought, to, I hate to be all cynical. Oh, it'll never happen. But, yeah, I just visualizing this meeting and maybe it will be brought up in this meeting. Well, that, there likely never will getting, be a meeting. But If there's a meeting and if it gets brought up, I just have this the sinking sense that uh, whoever it gets brought up to will be like, <laughs> no. Yeah, I just... It's there with this type of following, you would expect that people would actually get it. And it would be great too, right? Because it's being released on the virtual console and uh which is something that hasn't I mean on the Wii U it's it's only just coming out there. I don't know that American audiences have accepted the virtual console all that much. maybe they have. I don't I honestly don't know. But this would be a great way they'll like they're trying to make a splash on the new Wii U version of the of the virtual console. Yeah. This would be one way to help get some attention about it. A game that was never released in America now only being released in virtual console form. Like it it makes sense. And it's just interesting that this guy does this, and I'm sure plenty of other people who've made fan translations would do it. I suppose that he did a good job, otherwise he wouldn't make a stink like this. But um, generally, I have the impression that generally corporations have a policy of not accepting anything for free because they fear the liability involved. Oh yeah. Well, listen. If it if this ever did really happen, I'm sure. I hope anyway that Nintendo would say we would like to use it, and we're going to pay you for it, and you're going to sign this form that gives us full rights for reels. Yeah. You know, um, but it would be some small amount of money, like a thousand, ten thousand dollars or something. Um, something that would not equate at all to the cost of doing it on their own. Um, anyway, it's just an interesting thing to think about the fact that there's clearly a following for this game. They're still, I assume choosing not to release it. And then some guy comes out and does this, uh, whatever. I thought it was interesting enough to bring up at least. <clears throat> and there was something else from almost a month ago. That I don't think. Did I talk about the numbers for Retro City Rampage? Did we talk about that? Not at all. Okay. So during GDC, the guy who made Retro City Rampage, Brian Provinciano, talked a lot about the game and where it's sold. I guess he made it on a bunch of different platforms. Uh, According to what I'm reading now, 17 different SKUs. I don't know if that means 17 different platforms, but like... That you probably know, includes different regions of the world, too. Yeah. So so he says, like, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't do XBLA because it was a big endeavor, basically, and it didn't really pay itself back. At least I assume that's that's the undertone of what he was saying. And this is the guy who said, if I get enough support for this game, then I'm going to put out a WiiWare version, which is like a gift to people because it's, it's very Nintendo-esque, right? Nintendo, it sure is. Even though it's not a Nintendo game. So... Um, <clears throat> You know, they, he wanted to actually put it on a Nintendo machine. But the point that I was looking at when I was looking at all these numbers, because he says uh, releasing on the PSN was the most valuable. He made over $600,000, earned over 35,000 copies that were sold. That's really interesting. It did better on PSN than XBLA. Uh, and not just by a little? Yes. Am I but correct? It, it could also be that the XBLA port, I think, was made later or released later. So mm. that has something to do with it. But what's interesting is it made more money on the PSN selling fewer copies than the PC version. Sold 40,000 copies for $400,000. Right? And then I start to wonder, so Xbox Live was third place, making over $200,000 over only 15,000 units sold. That's a, that's a pretty big difference. Yeah. And WiiWare made less than ten grand with fewer than 2,000 units sold. But what I'm looking at is why is... Why would there be a price discrepancy across the platforms? Is there really a reason to do that? Because it's all digital, right? Um, so you think PC games traditionally cost Well, it's psychological, less. right? It's no longer priced. Things are no longer priced to what they're worth. They're priced to what people, what the seller can think maximizes their revenue is. Right? Well, I mean, from his point of view, I get it. Like, there's a supply and a demand curve. Yeah. which you know fluctuate based on a number of factors. You want to find ex- that sweet spot. Yeah, maybe he's experimenting too. I mean, if I if I was in this position, I would actually try a bunch of different price points on different platforms if I could. So I, w- I was about to argue this because... So, like, 
on a console, you have to pay license fees to the console person, right? right. Nintendo or Microsoft or whatever, um, or Sony, which you don't have to do for PC because it's just you know self-published or however published, but it doesn't go to um, the hardware maker. And for some reason, I was thinking that didn't apply in the situation, but I'm sure it does. Maybe he built in the extra cost, right, on the console versions because it was more yeah. expensive on the console versions, wasn't it? Yeah, but it's it's considerable. We're looking at like yeah. I don't I haven't actually researched what the well, prices they get, were. I mean, on all the consoles, the digital platforms, they get a considerable cut, right? They get like thirty percent. Uh, that's that seems to be the common amount. I don't actually know what it is for PSN and Xbox Live, but um, so you look at these numbers and it's like. He was selling for PSN more than $15 based on the numbers I just read. Like I said, I haven't researched what it really sold for. Um, and perhaps it was a fluctuating amount, you know, maybe on sale sometimes. Who knows? Uh, but over 15 bucks on PSN and Xbox, but only $10 on PC. Um, I guess, does that hold true? 30% off of 15 bucks is just about $10 about to him. Um, so maybe it makes sense, but it's... I mean, that's a big, like, I, I should just be a PC player from now on. Everything's cheaper on PC, right? Well, probably, yeah. yeah. The, the other thing that's interesting is that I feel like there's psychological components to pricing that are non-obvious. Like, if you pri- I really believe that if you price something a little higher than other things, there's an element of that that makes it seem more valuable, too. Yeah. On the PC, you want to price it lower because there's going to be more piracy and stuff, so you want to make it more useful or more, you know, reasonable for someone to purchase True. so that they don't pirate, but... It, I just found it really interesting that there's... Because when you're talking about low-cost items like this, only $10 on PC, the discrepancy between PC and console is then giant. Because it's only $5, well, that's 50% more expensive. Yeah. What if console games were $90 when... Or $75 when a PC game was 50 Right? We'd be up in arms about that. Anyway. I think that happened once. <laughs> end of show. We'll be back next week, everyone. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.